Today's episode of Beyond the Mask is presented by the insurance specialists at BrightThink Wealth Strategies. Find the disability insurance coverage that fits you best right now. Email Robert Smith at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. The show is also made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. Get a free consultation today to be guided through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Just visit crnafinancialplanning.com. We'd also like to thank Helping Hands and OSA EMR for their support of the show. And don't forget, listening to our podcast can earn you Class B credits. For more information on how you can submit them, check out the CE Credit tab on our website, beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Welcome to Beyond the Mask, innovation and opportunities for CRNAs with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. We know you spend your day caring for your patient's best interests. On our show, we want to care for you. Join us as we leave the operating room and learn the latest in the CRNA industry. Beyond the Mask starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, Today we're going to finish off our conversation on manpower. This is part two of the discussion, so if you haven't had the chance to listen to part one, go back and check that one out as well. Now, here's the rest of our conversation. So what do we know about manpower from 2010 to, to present? Boy, we've covered a lot of years. We have, yeah. <laughs> You're yes. looking good, Jeremy. Probably oh, thank you. you well, how about us, Sharon? We have uh, really covered a lot of years. <laughs> covered it. Uh, it, it so more. A hundred years together. A hundred years together. We've walked this path. Walked through snow. Climbed the mountain. Barefoot. Uphill. uphill one way. <laughs> Centurions. Isn't that what it is? <laughs> well, one of the things that we know is that there has not been a comprehensive AANA manpower study published in the last 13 years. And I don't know, that's a bad thing. You know, they're very expensive right. to do. Yes, they are. How much would you estimate, Sharon? Oh, do- gosh. Well, just a, a minimal study is a quarter of a million. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, Easily. Easily. I, I, I had no clue. Until we did that one, that, that yeah. podcast yeah. with Lorraine. I knew yeah. that, you know. Yeah. And even though I took a lot of heat for that million from NBCRNA, it only funded, actually it has funded six studies. And they're not done yet. Some of them. Yeah. So in in 2019, there were 121 educational programs in the United States. As compared to in 2000, there were 93 programs. In 2006, the number was 106. And again, in 2019, it was 121 educational programs. All programs were offered a master's degree uh, after 1998. The first doctoral program listed in 2008, and in 2019, there were 92 doctoral programs, 29 master's programs still at the master's level. But by 2025, all graduates will have a doctoral degree um, at entry into practice. I wonder how many of those are going to close. We were looking at those numbers. COA was reporting to us. So what I'm hearing is... In 2019, there were still 29 who had not transitioned. I'm guessing that it won't be a lot. I think some of them 
we're just waiting to the last, like Wake Forest, for example. They, some of these programs right. started an optional doctorate, mm-hmm. but are still graduating at the master's level for the entry, right. you know, into anesthesia. So I I feel that probably all of them are university well, based, and I don't think we'll get many closures. I'm, I'm guessing not, yeah. but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Yeah. And so, in 2021, the total number of CRNAs was 56,027. The total number of student nurse anesthetists at any point in the educational program in 2021 was 8,092. And graduates per year, approximately 2,697 during this time. So, so I'm going to go back to what I said earlier when we were talking about this was – if they're 56,000 and half of them retire, that's 28,000, right? Okay. And over the next 10 years, so that means in 10 years, if we just keep our graduates constant, there'll be 28,000 retiring and 26,970 put in the workforce. <laughs> Again, we're just keeping up. We're just keeping up, um, which, which can leave the door open for, as Sandy mentioned, other people to kind of step in here if the supply continues to go down and the demand continues to go up like we think it's going to um so something to be cognizant of Mm -hmm. moving forward and you know when nancy mentioned in 2021 there were 8,092 students in any part of their program remember during that time some are still two years Mm -hmm. and some are three some have already transitioned to the doctoral for entry and some are still at the masters and will be transitioning this year because all programs have to have a doctoral degree this year uh, because it's a three-year program right to, to graduate by 2025 mm-hmm. uh, at entry level uh, doctoral prepared CRNAs. So potentially in 2024 we could see a dip in graduates because instead of putting out in 2024 they'll graduate in 2025 yeah i thought that but maybe not as much as we thought because mm-hmm. so many of the programs have it's already the they staggered, staggered them they've yeah. staggered it yeah. you know and and uh yeah they and, were hoping that, that didn't happen yeah That's why and, they did and, that. and i don't i don't think it'll have the impact it could have had right if we uh, wouldn't have been cognizant of right that. right exactly. yeah so um since we have not had uh any of our studies and, and it's good anyway to look outside ourselves yeah. i i uh I went and, and tried to see what I could find out from, from other groups about what they're thinking in terms of uh, uh, manpower for both nurse anesthetists and anesthesiologists. Uh, one was a radius anesthesia reported in March 2018, where they said 48.3% of all anesthesia providers are anesthesiologists, while 49.6% are CRNAs. Um, the anesthesia work uh, faces regional variations a growing concern about shortages, a greater influx of women into the workforce, and increasing utilization of non-physician providers. Influential factors for recent workforce changes include an aging population, as Nancy mentioned, and cost containment efforts in healthcare, mm-hmm. and changes um, in structure <coughs> to the healthcare system. So I, I thought I thought that was pretty interesting. And these non-physician providers. Uh, it probably was referring to anesthesia assistants as well as mm-hmm. nurse anesthetists, anything that's not an anesthesiologist. All right, so there was a Merritt Hawkins white paper. Are you familiar with them, Jeremy? Yes. Um, I yes. was not, and I thought it was a very good paper, and mm-hmm. it was 2019. It was CRNA supply, demand, and recruiting trends. And for our, our 
people listening do, that do not know about Merritt Hawkins, it is the nation's leading physician and advanced practitioner search and consulting firm. Uh, and they produce annually a series of surveys, white papers. They do speaking um, mm-hmm. engagements and other resources intended to provide insight into healthcare staffing and recruiting trends. And I think this may be somebody good to have at an annual Congress. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah. I just found them, so I, I don't know what the negatives might be, but, but I find this paper very interesting. What they said were the CRNAs are the primary provider of anesthesia care in rural America, and we've always known that. In some states, CRNAs are the sole providers, and nearly 100% of rural hospitals are the sole provider of anesthesia in two-thirds of rural hospitals nationally. Um, CRNAs administer more than 49 million anesthetics each year, (coughs) according to an AANA 2019 member profile survey. And I'd like to pause at this time and really request our members pay attention to when you get your dues statement, there's always a survey. Please fill out that survey. It's completely anonymous. When only 10% answer the survey questions, you have to question, are we getting the broad view of the answers to the questions we're asking? And these, this member survey is used to help us, to help us advocate for the profession. And it doesn't take long to complete the survey, so please do it. Merritt Hawkins also said that CRNAs are unusual and that practice of anesthesia is recognized as both a nursing and medical specialty unified by the same standard of care. And, you know, I like that statement I like coming that from, from that particular group. So we've got one foot in medicine and one foot in nursing, which I've always said, but we're unified by the same standard of care. And 40% of CRNAs are men compared to 10% of nurses generally being men. According to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, job growth for CRNAs is projected to be 26% between 2018 and 2028, a 10-year period. Job growth, 26%, which is well above the national average. And uh, the reason for this increased demand is a, uh, a largely driven by an aging population. And um, the utilization of specialty services driven upward by years of economic growth following the 2007-2008 recession, giving patients yep. the option of undergoing more elective procedures. You know, and I'm still thinking about my facelift that I might have. There you go. Yeah, yeah, I'll got, put you to sleep. <laughs> yeah, I got to, Just wake her up. Yeah, <laughs> you know, a lot of things we could we could get done. And uh, another would be proliferation of sites where procedures can uh, can be done as a factor. Doctor's offices, physician's mm-hmm. offices, uh, GI uh, centers, and just all sorts of places. And the lack of um, anesthesia providers in rural America opens a market for CRNA jobs there. And this group went on to say the continued effort of healthcare facilities to cope with rising costs and the uh, the declining reimbursement for these healthcare facilities also stimulates the demand for CRNAs. And you mentioned that, Jeremy, when yep. our salary approaches that of the anesthesiologist, we're not going to be near as attractive as we yep. are now. And I don't think anybody can really fuss about their salary right now. No. It's pretty nice, <laughs> pretty sweet. It's pretty good. Yeah. And then the outcome data for CRNAs are positive, indicating <clears throat> a positive fit for emerging uh, quality, value based 
reimbursable models. There's not been, and we've done this before in terms of quality outcome studies, there's never been one that shows a difference in outcome yeah. based upon provider. So, and it's so good that people outside ourselves are picking up all mm-hmm. this stuff. Absolutely. You know, they're, they're doing the pom-poms, and they're doing it for <laughs> us, you know, and that's good. A clear indicator of the rise in demand for CRN services is a listing of both anesthesiologists and CRNAs in a list of 20 most requested search assignments. Anesthesiologists and CRNAs had not been included in the top 20 since 2009. And so he went on to say to everybody that's thinking about having to recruit CRNAs, and I find this interesting. We know that there's a shift in priorities in the workforce uh, as we've gone from one generation to the other. We've moved further and further away from the Depression to many generations now living the good life for for a good while. So they want different things. Mm -hmm. And I like what he pointed out. Um, CRNAs have many options to choose from today. Um, he pointed that out. So if you're trying to recruit a CRNA, uh, it's made more difficult because they have many 1099 opportunities to right. choose from. Right. And so that's really good for our people that really want to retire but really keep a hand in uh, that they can do that and work several days a month or a couple days a week or whatever. But yeah, and then, you know, with opt-out and less barriers and, you know, even with COVID. I mean, COVID helped that situation out a little bit right. as well. So. And then he went on to say – if you want to really be at the top of the walk in terms of recruiting, you've got to offer clinical autonomy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lie is to practice independently to the highest level of licensure and limit physician oversight to a minimum required. Practice autonomy may be the single most important factor CRNAs consider when evaluating practice opportunities. Wow. Uh, and avoid physician-only cases, such as only the doctors can do this nerve block, only the doctors can do these epidurals. You know, the, the future for recruiting CRNAs, if that's going to be your work, workforce, yep. is not there for hospitals that continue to do that. <coughs> and to offer flexibility in the work schedule. Sixty percent of potential recruits are women who require a family-friendly schedule. Mm. And, and then be competitive. CRNAs rarely relocate for an average salary i mean they may that you know true. if if the spouse has moved or whatever right. but, they have other but if they're really looking you know for other reasons they want to be upgraded as a crna you spend years preparing yourself for this career so we don't want to see you lose out on any of the income you've worked so hard to earn The best way to protect yourself and give you the confidence that a major life event won't disrupt your financial future is through disability insurance. We've known disability income specialist Robert Smith for many years and have seen the work he's done with nearly 2,000 CRNAs over multiple decades. He can help identify any gaps in your existing coverage and fill those gaps by finding the best value on a policy. Contact Robert and let him know you heard about him on our podcast. Send him an email at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. That's rsmithjr at financialguide.com. Or call him at 504-394-6557. Protect your greatest asset as a CRNA, yourself and your ability to earn a living by adding disability insurance to your financial plan. Well, in that same study that I was talking about in the AANA journal, good heavens, I wish I had it right here in front of me, but it ta- it's talking about uh, why did CRNAs leave, and the take-home was 
for hospitals not to think that it's based on poor leadership within the anesthesia department that CRNAs leave a department for other reasons it's usually not related I'm to the have leadership to look, look that it's up. really good it's uh, probably the end of 2021 uh, mm-hmm. probably december journal maybe it's i think dan lovenary is on the cover okay okay that one okay with his dog no he's he's intubating somebody and it's not a dog <laughs> what, what's that dog's name hermes hermes hermes, hermes. <laughs> dan i'm sorry for calling your dog the wrong name i apologize again Dog's gonna pee on you next time it sees you. Oh goodness! And and this stuff is so interesting to me because it just goes right up my alley. And I mean, you know, and I do hear CRNAs that you know, I mean, money is a big factor, obviously benefits, but autonomy. Like I said, the lady we were talking about earlier, Mm -hmm. you know, she doesn't want to go to a place that she can't do the types of things that she's done in the setting she's in now. Um, and if you limit that for CRNAs who are laid back type B personalities, mm-hmm. you know, never want to mix it up. I mean, you know, you are cutting your nose off mm-hmm. despite your face, um, mm-hmm. in the CRNA marketplace. So yep. great point, Sandy. Good find on that too. Yeah. I, I'd seen that Merritt Hawkins stuff, uh, several times. I thought it They've was done excellent. some really good There was nothing biased about it. No. It really, pre- it presented all of our educational background and, yeah everything and it was spot on and and i think mainly they do physician recruiting mm-hmm. so they do some crna but i think mainly they're physician mm-hmm. coming from That's them this is big yes yeah. yeah so well goodness we have we have touched on a lot of stuff in these episodes yes we have yeah so all right so let's get some closing thoughts going on here as we wrap this one up okay so um as i was doing you know a search on the um computer I found an interesting article written by an anesthesiologist uh, from California, and he had worked both in the academic center as well as private practice anesthesia, uh, anesthesiology. So he he talked about 10 trends he sees for the Mm. future in anesthesiology. Some I agree with, some I would say I got to see it to believe it, Mm -hmm. but we'll see. The one that I paid great attention to, uh, lower income as adjusted, everybody wants to hear that, don't we? As we move into the future, we're going to get a lower income. As adjusted for inflation due to an aging population and more payment coming from the federal Medicare system. I can see that. Mm -hmm. Government payment cuts uh, bundled payments to hospitals with a fight for fair share of payment. If we get it bundled, one person is going to take care of that money for that whole procedure. Hopefully it'll be the hospital. That'll be favorable to us, um, but it'll be less. And then incorporate anesthesia. I can see that, Jerry. What do you think? I could absolutely see that. Yeah. I mean, I think he's always dead on because, you know, adjusted for inflation. I mean, we have been in this really low inflation environment for a long time. And now we're starting to see that unravel. And once you get seven and a half, eight percent inflation in the economy, it takes a long time to get this out, to wrench this out. And I don't think it's going to get any better. Well, I think it's going to get worse inflation in the next two or three years. We'll see. I mean, I think some of that was COVID and the supply chain disruptions. I mean, I think personal opinion, I think the worst of the inflation is behind us, but you cannot get back out 
wage inflation. You can't get back out rent inflation or housing inflation. If, Sharon, if I give you a, a raise at your job and just because inflation goes down, I can't go back and take that away. Right. It's already in there. And that's what happens with inflation. It builds upon itself. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Fed wants to do now, slow oh, down. okay. The, that took me a second. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's what the Fed's trying to do now is it's they're like going to raise rates. Programs. You can't, you can't take it away. Them and then you can't take I them mean, away. You know, so and then the fact that we do have this massive amount of money that the federal government injected into the system, that money's still out there. I mean, they still haven't started retching that out of the economy, which is why, you know, the cost of goods and services have gotten bit up. And this is a really complicated thing, but I'm going to digress on that because I could talk about that forever. But, you know, Sandy, I think he is dead on here. Mm-hmm. We know that we're moving closer and closer to that one payer system. Mm-hmm. We're moving closer and closer to all payments being bundled. And then you've mentioned this before, you both have actually, you know, who's going to be in control of that bundled payment? If mm-hmm. it's the anesthesiologist, CRNAs are in trouble. That is a key moving forward. Yeah, so are hospitals. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, facilities. you're right. Yes. You're right. I can't Absolutely. see it being any other way except the hospital, yeah. the facility. Yes. Yes. You yep. know, being in charge. So, and then yeah. we know people are getting older, you know, and yep. you need less maintenance or more maintenance as you get older. Yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, there's the demand yeah. portion of it. So. so anyway, the other thing you said, Jeremy, and you may, I'm sure you have some ideas on this too. Um, there will be more ACT anesthesia or more anesthesia care team models which requires yeah. more CRNAs. Now, you have to look where he's coming from. He's coming from California. Right. And there you find more anesthesiologists, which we aren't used to in the side, um, west of the Mississippi, that yeah. will sit down and run a room and do their own cases, and they're okay with that. But he's saying it's going to go the other way um, to the west. Facilities have increased incentives to provide anesthesia with cheaper labor. Um, this will encourage the ACT model. Or CRNAs working alone. What do you think? I, I think you're going to get more of the latter. Um, CRNAs working alone. I mean, you know, ultimately this is going to come down to dollars. And, you know, I've said this as I've learned throughout the years. And, you know, we've seen our government at work, um, especially when healthcare is over 20% of GDP. We've got to drive the price of that down. And, you know, even though we spend more on it, it's not the greatest quality health care in the world either. So what's going to happen, in my opinion, is you're going to start to see more and more pressure to cut costs, which means the anesthesiologist is out of the equation. Now, what does that look like? I don't know. That's the, the multi-million dollar question. But CRNAs can practice, do their thing autonomously. Um it's going to drive the price down, which is why I said earlier, let's be careful what we wish for. The, the higher CRNA salaries go up, the more this does not work. Um, and then I think in the long run, the, you know, the care team model, obviously, I mean, you, you all know, I mean, that does have a place in a lot of places. It does. I mean, but if you've got an ASA one, two, or three, do you really need that anesthesiologist in the room unless something just goes bonkers? Probably not. Yeah, you may see more shift from the <clears throat> direction model, which is that model, right. Right. Uh, to supervision model, right. as right. Nancy has from, talked about before, right. where you would have uh, fewer anesthesiologists, and, and in some right. places, none at all. Um, and 
so, you know, that's a real possibility. The other thing he mentioned is more new drugs that will change the practice of anesthesia. Now, the only new thing, well, there's been several new IV drugs, I think. Remy Mazacon is out now. Uh, Dexmedetomidine. Yeah, that, well, that, that's a little bit older, but and uh, Sugamidex, mm-hmm. it was uh, approved in this country in 2015, I think. I can't hardly see. I, I say every decade we're at our peak. How can it get any better? And then they come out with something better. So he may be right, but this is one I've got to see type things. Well, usually those new drugs, the <coughs> cost is way up. That's you right. know, uh, that yeah. they're wanting to limit Sugamidec where I'm working a couple days a week huh. because it's so costly. Mm-hmm. And boy, you know, I'd never used it until I went there. We don't have it in the office. I've always used neostigmine. And boy, what a difference. Mm-hmm. It's so hard to go back now. Yeah, and when Dick first heard uh, Mark Welvier, he came here. Mm-hmm. The late Mark Welvier, he's a great, right. great guy. Oh, and, uh, yeah. And uh, he, he talked about it. And so Dick was still working then. And, and he went back to uh, his hospital, and he couldn't wait to use it. But he missed one of the key points that Mark said. This is a reversal you don't use until you're ready for them to be reversed. Absolutely. Like three oh. minutes. <laughs> so so Dick, Dick was giving it like you do with neostigmine yes. and Robinol, and he gave it, you know, like 10, 15, yep, 12 yep. minutes. Uh, the patient nope. was helping finish the case. <laughs> yeah, man. Giving you the finger. <laughs> I said, I said did, did you hear Mark say that? <laughs> That's like turning off the Remy Fenton. Yes, it is. Yeah. And then the aging population he mentioned, and, and we've talked about that. He says, this is interesting, anesthesiology will become more and more a shift work job. I believe that. You think so? Yes. Um, we're seeing that. People just don't yeah. want to take <clears throat> these Call. long calls anymore. And, I mean, the literature's been coming out for a while yeah. about the exhaustion factor. And I, people are just, I, I absolutely agree with this. And they say a long call is, you know, 12 to 24 hours. Our long calls was 48 hours. Oh we had the whole Lord. weekend. Yeah, yeah. We were Saturday and Sunday. Sandy. You know, when I became interested in anesthesia, one of the things that interested me as a student nurse is I saw the anesthetist leaving at 9 o'clock in the morning. They'd be having breakfast, you mm-hmm. know, at 9 o'clock in the morning. And I thought, I don't know what they do, but that looks pretty pretty good to me. You didn't know they'd been there all night? <laughs> they'd been there all weekend. <laughs> they'd been there for, 14 hours, for, for 48 hours. Oh, you know? gosh. Wow. And, um, and he went on to say there will be increased interest in anesthesiology as a specialty encouraged by higher reimbursement for a procedural anesthetist. And what he's saying here is, because it's almost contradictory to what he said That's above. That's what I thought. But, yeah. but he's, he's saying, uh, you know, it may not be as good, but it's still better than the rest. Yeah. He's saying it's better than the internist. It's better than the pediatrician. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, they have they got to see so many patients every 15 minutes you got one patient piece work yeah you know that type of thing yeah and um and expect improved s- safety statistics regarding anesthesia you know I, I guess we can improve but it's pretty good now with what we have and uh, number eight he said there will be near zero incidence of anesthesia related fatalities there'll always be that airway problem um but I don't know how that could ever be eliminated if, if entitled CO2 didn't do it and pulse oximetry. You know, we're going to find ourselves in those situations from time to time, but it should be very rare. And large national corporations will continue buying up private practices. What do you think of that, Jeremy? I mean, it's been the trend for a while now. I think we're still continuing to see it, especially in this environment. Um, 
in a low interest rate environment. I, th- I think that'll change a little bit as rates go up. I mean, you, you've got large corporations who are sitting on a lot of money and there's no other place they can put their money. So they're buying up these other ones and getting better multiples. And, you know, that's the bottom line in business is, you know, how can I get bigger multiples and, and make more money over time? But I think that'll change a little bit as rates ease up in the economy here and kind of, you know, we start to see from this really low interest rate environment to higher. Um, But I think the trend is definitely, definitely there. And then the last one he said is there will be continued fascination with anesthesia practice, a discipline which makes all surgical treatments and cures possible. Hmm. It doesn't happen without us, does it? Yeah, you know, anesthesia still absolutely fascinates me 30 years and it still gives me a a lot of the same thrill it did 30 years ago it's like i catch you that blue marlin sharon no matter (laughs) no matter no matter how many of those captains have caught when they hook a blue marlin it's just like yeah that's the first time it's the most excitement you'll ever see in the world and you know speaking of that last point uh, point number 10 that was what Ted Eager, the late Ted Eager, entitled the book, The Wondrous Story of Anesthesia. Hmm. And it is. And, you know, so if everybody's getting a reduction, you might as well be doing something you like. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It, yeah. It, exactly. Today's show is brought to you by the folks at CRNA Financial Planning, an independent consulting firm that offers financial planning services exclusively to CRNAs and their families. From planning for a child's future college expenses to building a predictable income stream in retirement, the firm is committed to offering you comprehensive financial services, customized to fit your unique needs and objectives. If you have questions about your financial future, get them answered. Call the team at 855-304-3748. That's 855-304-3748. Or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. What you guys have got a century of experience uh, between you. Where do you see this all going? I want to hear your thoughts, not what's on the paper. What do you think, Nancy? I think that we will see more CRNAs doing anesthesia, and I think there will be, and I see less physicians entering the specialty. Uh, because I think that, number one, there's no reason not to. Number two, the money is going to become a major issue. Mm-hmm. Um, hospitals are going to be pushed harder and harder and harder to contain their cost. Um, I think you may even begin to see more hospital-employed CRNAs the way it used to be. Or physician-employed, too. And mm-hmm. physician-employed. Yeah. Um, Shift work. Uh, mm-hmm. By hospitals. Um, and th- that's what I, I really think is going to happen. I think that in some ways we will go back to the way that it used to be, but it will be going back there with a lot more technology, a lot more knowledge, a lot more different, a lot of different ways to handle anesthesia, which will make it safer, and um, that that's just how I feel it's going to be. I don't see any other way that it can go because 
you may even begin to see just a total decrease in the number of physicians and an increase in nurse practitioners, yeah. an increase in midwives, yeah. uh, because <coughs> of the financial crunches that I'm, I see are going to be put on health care. It can't continue in this explosive way that it's been all these years because we've, we've got everything going against it. And one of the big things is health care has helped us live longer, uh, live with a lot of comorbidities mm-hmm. for a longer period of time. And you're going to have I don't see the elderly population decreasing. I see it increasing. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to have the money to pay for the health care. Right. Yeah, we can't I, spend I, our I, way out of this one. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, agree, I agree with everything you say. And, you know, as a, a consumer of health care, I can tell you most uh, doctor visits I go, and particularly follow-up visits and things like that, uh, it's a nurse practitioner yeah. or, a, um, or a physician assistant. And I've not had one that I was not pleased with. Yeah. And, you know, you don't need a physician with all their years' experience to do a whole lot of what needs to be done, and, and that's good. And, Jeremy, you know and I know that the federal government has been trying for years to get their hands around this health care dollar, mm-hmm. and they're never going to give up no. until it's a single-payer system, like yep. you said, or Absolutely. a bundled payment system. And so everything that the future brings, I think, is going to be driven by by where the government goes. Yeah. Well, I think I think what we've seen with healthcare is the government's let it get out of control, and they've let a lot of greed and and money get into the system. And anytime you put, you know, federal money and and tax money into the system, people are going to figure out a way to reach up there and grab it. And we're seeing the same thing in the student loan sector. I mean, they let. You know, the government wanted to give everyone student loans, and now you're seeing the cost of health care has gone up dramatically. More and more kids are getting out with more debt. You've got this huge student loan problem because the government puts so much money in it, and now professors make more money, and we got new buildings on campus, and we've got this and that, and more technology and cost and cost and cost, and they've let it get out of control. And, and both of those things are going to have to reach in and say, all right, the gravy train's got to stop. Who's going to be the ones that get cut out of that? Well, depends on who's got the best lobbyist, I guess. <laughs> there you have it. But, you know, to go back to one thing Sandy said, since I moved, I've been assigned an internal medicine physician. I've never met him. Huh. Wow. Uh, I'm serious. I've never met him. Don't know what he looks like. Uh, the, phys- the, uh, the physician assistant is the one that I see, and quite frankly, I don't care if I never see the physician. I like her. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, you know, she's personable. She finds out a lot about me that doesn't have anything to do with my uh, physical health. I mean, she makes me feel like she wants me right. as her patient. Yeah, you're not a number. No, uh-uh. Yeah, my doctor is an anomaly. I go in literally, and he talks to me for an hour. He said, you're probably going to be the healthiest patient I see all day. But (laughs) he wants to know everything that I've got going on in my life, my personal life. He asked me about the markets and stocks. That's why he wants to know. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's the hour. Is that's that what it, it is? Okay. And it's free. <laughs> you paying you. I'm paying him, yeah. Instead um, of him paying you. Know, you know, I was wondering why it went from a level one to a level three cost this time. Now I understand. Yeah. But, but no, I mean, you know, he's definitely an anomaly. He's a great guy, too. But yeah. um, anyway, but yes. I agree. Sharon, do you got anything? I, listen, I think I'm with the the wisest people on this, just <laughs> listening. I don't know if we're all the wisest, but we all have opinions about it, don't we? <laughs> well, Sandy, Nancy, thank you as always. It's been you great. guys do a wonderful right. job. And, you know, I was just sitting here watching you two and listening to you two. And I remember the first time you came in and did this. And <laughs> I have never seen Sandy nervous at anything, but she was nervous doing this. Yes. And, and now you both are like, I mean, you are pros oh, at this. Oh, gosh. I mean, I you remember. have got the knack now. I we love were it. in I- Asheville. Yeah. That's right. the first one. Because I said I wasn't going to do it. Yeah, you said you were going to do it. I'm not doing this. Yeah. <laughs> and you didn't know what it was. And, and, I, and I almost yeah. was reduced to begging. But the funniest <laughs> part is when it, we only had one microphone at that time. Oh, and yes. they had to share it. And, and then <laughs> Nancy kept raising her hand whenever she wanted to. I was like, Nancy, you don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> and then I'm fighting over uh, the microphone. Oh, kind of like. I guess it was kind of like that biology class. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, I, I, I want to say how, uh, how much this is of value, I think, to the profession, both at the state level and um, in the national level. I mean, I, I hear from people that have listened to, um, like, for example, when we talked about Catherine Lawrence. I, I couldn't find anything. And then Randy Cornelius, who's interested in doing the history of the Army CRNAs, got in touch with him immediately. He listens to every one of these, and he said, there's a whole book out on Catherine Lawrence. And so uh, Nancy ordered it, and we got it. So we're going through that now. Yesterday, I got a very nice letter from one of our state representatives who Dick and I had uh, donated to for the campaign. And without mentioning names, uh, she had written a personal note that she, she really uh, thanks the CR, CRNAs for their support. But more important than that, she says, I love the podcast. So here's a, a state representative that listens to every one of these. Yeah. So yep. that is really, really good. Yeah, it is. It well, is. just so you know, Sandy said she was never going to be uh, speaking public to I did. Yeah. Well, you know, I've learned a long time ago. Every time I say never, never. that's the you do next it. thing. You yeah. know, that's why I've got a tattoo. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's go. what that's what my grandmother always told me. She said, "Never say you're not going to do something because you will end up that's doing right. it." Right. And when I look back, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. You put Actually, it out there in the universe, or laughs, and, and, and God says, <laughs> "You know what? Let me show you." I know one of the doctors I work with who I adore, um, and whenever I got the tattoo, and he said, "You're going to have a sleeve one day," I said, "Not going to happen." He goes, "Yeah, whenever you finally do get grandchildren, they're going to go, Grandma." Which they better not call me that. Uh, Grandma, why is my name not on Uh, you? Right, right, right. Believe me, they will call you what they want. Oh, my Lord. They will. (laughs) I know, and I'm a little scared. (laughs) All right. Well, this has been great. Again, we want to thank our listeners for listening to Beyond the Mass with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. If you like our show and want to help it grow, Sharon, how can they help us grow? Well, the number one way is to leave us a review, but make it positive. There's definitely enough negativity in this world. Absolutely. Share it on social media, which I've been doing on my personal page and getting a lot of uptake. So share it on on social media and 
tell all your friends. I'm surprised. We did an interview this morning of a very yeah. prominent CRNA, and he didn't even know we did this. Yeah. You're kidding. No. It's surprising, and he's very, he's very, very active. Very active. Yeah. didn't even know. So yep. tell everybody. I mean, the hospital I work at now, they didn't know. And then whenever I told them they could get Class B credits, yeah. oh, my goodness. They're like, oh, great. Yes. Yeah. So, all right. Until next time. It's a wrap. Have you thought about what would happen if you weren't able to work for two or three years? You know, on average, 25% of people will file a disability claim, and most of us aren't prepared for that loss of income. Every CRNA needs to protect their biggest asset, yourself and your ability to earn with a disability insurance policy. We recommend contacting Robert Smith, a master disability insurance specialist with more than 30 years of experience and 1,800 CRNA clients to find the coverage that fits you best. The best way to do that is to send him an email at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. That's rsmithjr at financialguide.com. Or call him at 504-394-6557. Beyond the Mask is made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. With almost two decades of experience, the firm guides CRNAs through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Schedule a free consultation today by calling 855-304-3748 or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. Hi, this is Jackie Rolls, President of the International Federation of Nurse Anesthetists and President and Founder of Our Hearts, Your Hands, a global anesthesia support community that takes donations to allow nurse anesthetists in low and middle income countries to go to educational programs, buy equipment, or textbooks. Your donations are tax deductible, and we would appreciate your support. OSA EMR is a free anesthesia EMR developed by CRNAs that you can download and use on an iPad. Our nonprofit mission is to make sure that solo and small practice CRNAs can digitally record their anesthetics. To learn more, visit OSAEMR.com to download and consider donating to our cause. Remember, for CRNAs, data is destiny. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you like to listen to shows. Also, be sure to check out beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Each episode is posted there with a corresponding blog post, and we timestamp important parts of the episode to help you quickly get to the content you're looking for. Also, check out the special series section on the site. You can follow along and catch up on the CRNA History Series, episodes specifically about political conversations in the industry, or try the CRNA Personal Finance Series. It's all on beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And if you have a question for the show or want to be a guest or even suggest a particular topic, fill out the contact form on the site or send an email directly to us at info at beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And lastly, let's take the conversation social. Check out our Beyond the Mask podcast Facebook page and Facebook group.